There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. What it's like in other countries, but for instance, Krampus is that sidekick. You should just say that all over because you said crunchries <laughs> and all i could think about was captain crunch like on a map beautiful hey baby baby how goes it it goes how does it goes for you it goes i love this yeah i can't believe we're like four days four days what is today six days out from christmas six and four are not the same nope i have a million people left to buy for still you know although i don't feel like it snuck up on us this year it in a way did i think as I have like a pile of presents on my living room floor with wrapping paper sitting next to them and I just have zero ambition to wrap shit. I haven't wrapped anything yet because I feel like Moose is just going to dive into it and unwrap all of it. So That's fair. Yeah. Are you going to be like that mom who's wrapping on Christmas Eve? Pretty much. Probably. I don't see any problem with that. Nope, not at all. Seems like it could be a good tradition to start. Yeah, and then if you get tired, then you can just, like, shove shit under the tree, and you don't even have to wrap it. I love this plan. Like, minimum effort, maximum results. Yep. Because he doesn't care about the wrapping paper anyway. I mean, he loves tearing stuff open, so... Yes, but you... Okay, so fine. So you just, like, slap some wrapping paper on it, but, like, you don't have to wrap the present. Yeah. He is, too. Like, he will not care. Agreed. Yes. I'm here for it. Welcome back, dear listeners. Welcome back. To Taboos. If you're new here, I guess we'll do this because we don't do it often enough. We're a podcast that discusses taboo culture. It's true. We do. Often with drinks in hand. Often, yes. Not required, but preferred. On that note, are you drinking anything today? I am not. I am having a lovely glass of H2O. Water is delicious. Excellent sales campaign. Really knocked it out of the park right there, babe. I really don't think there needs to be anything additional said to it. (laughs) What are you drinking, my sweetness? Thanks for getting my hint. You're welcome. I sort of forgot that's how it worked. I sort of forgot that I had to ask that question in return because you know I'm selfish. I am drinking a Sauvignon Blanc by Flattop Hills. Ooh, excellent. I know jack shit about white wine, so I can't speak on any of this. So I'm so glad that you are able to. Yeah, I just wanted something chilled and crisp and this fits the bill. And it was like 50% off. Normally it's a $24 bottle of wine. Oh, damn. Yeah. 
Which is why I bought it, because it was 50% off. (laughs) Really spoiled yourself there. Yep. So in the spirit of the holiday season and all that jazz. Oh, that jazz. Such a good musical. Thank you. You're also such a good musical. <laughs> I know. I knew I, I knew I was who you were referring to the first time. I did. I think I just want to say thank you to everyone over this past month, as usual, for showing your support. We've had a lot of people lately that are just, I don't know, showing so much love, like weird distractions and... For nerds, by nerds. Yep. Terrible people doing terrible things. Oh, yes, I have seen them been blowing us up and I love them. We see you guys and we love you. It's true. We do. Also, is it okay if I share what happened at the grocery store today? Oh, of course. I'd love that. Oh, my God, because it was so amazing. And I'm going to do my best not to cry because I think I cried it out. But so I was at the grocery store today at a grocery store I don't typically go to and I was leaving, and I have, for anybody who does not know, I have a Taboos sticker on the back of my car, and it's actually our handle. So it says Taboos the Pod, and it's iridescent, and it's pretty big, and you can't miss it. Allie has one also, so like, this is something that we're obviously very proud of, and we put a lot of work into, and means just absolutely everything to us. So, of course, putting it on our cars is not only good marketing, but it's very meaningful to us. So I was closing my tailgate and this woman walked up to me and she was like, oh my God, I love taboos. And I was like, yeah, thanks. And she was like, I forget how she actually said it, but I said, that's my show. And she was like, what? And I was like, yes, I'm Celeste. And she was like, oh my God, I love you. I love Allie. I love everything that you guys do. Your show means so much to me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I was like, that is an amazing fucking compliment and and I had asked her what her favorite episode was and she said that the body positivity episode was her favorite because it was so meaningful to her and she felt very recognized and heard and also represented and she was just so grateful for what we do and it was just such a beautiful beautiful moment that this complete stranger who would not have said anything to me otherwise, made a point to tell me how much she loved our show simply because she saw my sticker on my car. That's so awesome and crazy and serendipitous. Yes, it was such a beautiful moment. I was crying so hard. Like, I think I cried for like 45 minutes just in pride and in humility and just knowing that what our goals are aligned with this podcast being to help people are actually happening Mm -hmm. and that's so important it's weird too because our reach right now isn't huge so the timing is crazy yeah i agree completely and i think also the fact that we live in a smaller community means that somebody who I take it to mean that somebody who we know shared this to the point, like, I really just think about the six degrees of separation. Like, I don't know this woman. I didn't ask her her name. I didn't, I didn't do any of that because I just, it was just such a fast interaction. But I was very curious how she heard about the podcast because obviously if somebody who is close enough to us is who recommended it to her, I I just want to say thank you. 
I want to say thank you to every single person who has ever shared our podcast, even if it's just an episode. I have a friend specifically who shared the Growing Up Gay episode with a friend of his who is gay, and he knew that he would just relate to it so much. That's okay. I mean, maybe not every single episode is somebody's cup of tea, but that doesn't necessarily matter on an individual episode basis. Like, we want you guys to love every single episode, but if only one or two episodes here and there are what applies to you or to somebody you know, as long as they hear the content that is made for them, that's just such a huge deal to me. Agreed. And I feel like that was like a little early Christmas gift for you. A little bit. Yeah, it really was. That's such a special one. For me too. Like, it was really cool to hear, so... Yeah, especially because I was like sobbing. It was just such an amazing, special, beautiful moment. And I can't wait for you to experience moments like that. Same, although uh, people probably think they can't approach me. I don't believe that that's true. You have an adorable toddler. That's not what I meant. I meant by the (laughs) fact that we have marketed me as being dead inside. So if anybody recognizes us, apparently I'm the unapproachable one. I... Don't think that that's true either because anybody who's actually listened to us knows that you are loving and good and sweet even though you are dead inside. I also agree that I do have an adorable toddler. You do. It's true. So this is Allie really volunteering herself. In the event that anybody who listens to our show sees Allie at the grocery store, she's entirely approachable and wonderful and everyone would be absolutely blessed to know Allie. Oh, thanks. Oh, you're welcome. On the note of Christmas things. Uh, blessings? Uh, I prompted that as Christmas things initially. (laughs) You want to know what we're talking about today? I would love to. We are discussing the, let's call it the origins of Christmas to a degree. Ooh, origin stories. Otherwise known as Yule, with some other things mixed in. Yule's a real thing. Yeah. I've literally only ever heard of Yule in the song of Yuletide Carol. I don't think that's what the song's called, but yes, I know what you're talking about. (laughs) I don't think that's what it's called either, and I don't know any of the other words, because now all I can think about is Yule. Prepare for some learning. I'm so prepared for the learning. Learn me some things. So, this was... Okay, I was super excited about this because I knew the origins to a degree. Okay. But I just want to preface this by saying it's kind of murky. There's a lot of places it came from or it could have came from and everything kind of mixed together. Sure. I narrowed it down a bit. That's fair. Yeah. Thank you for doing that for us. Of course. My primary sources for this were bbc.com, bavipower.com, HopeOfIsrael.org and TheGypsyThread.org. Ooh, The Gypsy Thread sounds like a really fun website. You would love it. Oh my god. Note to self. Go check out Gypsy Thread. Winter Solstice, also known as Yule, is celebrated by pagans for the rebirth of the sun god and is one of the oldest celebrations in the world. It begins with the Arajola moon growing full in late November slash early December, and then it continues for two lunar months. 
It marks the shortest day of the year, hence the rebirth of the sun god and the days getting longer going forward. So essentially, the shortest day of the year is seen as the rebirth and therefore the conquering presence of the sun god. Which, in a mytho- in a mythological sense, makes sense to me. Like, I think maybe the small disclaimer for this conversation is that we all need to go to a place of recognizing that paganism is a mythological religious perspective and the machine runs a little bit differently. I'm just going to go ahead and say that the Bible is an interesting story. There was like a big dramatic pause before that too. (laughs) I was thinking of how to frame it. I respect your framing, but I do. I think that that's important that as we go into this for anybody who has never heard of paganism, which is possible. Paganism is paganism is a mythological religion, and it's very fascinating. Is it true that paganism is the oldest religion in the world? I don't know if calling it a mythological religion is exactly what you're looking for, but I kind of get what you're saying. I don't think calling it the oldest religion in the world either can be verified. I think what you're trying to say is that its roots are much older than a lot of what we know as modern-day religions. Yes, and also there's more than one character of the story. Yes. Okay, save me from myself. Let's move forward. Okay, back to Yule. (laughs) Yes, back to that. There's a few different places that it could have come from. So we'll start with what's kind of believed to be um, one of the main ones, or what is believed to be one of the main ones. The Norsemen, shout out to our witchcraft episode, in which we mentioned Vikings. Nordic mythology, yes, ma'am. Right, we did. We we talked about Vikings actually in our Thanksgiving episode with Miss Louise. Oh, yep, yeah, there we go. We did because I said that I appreciated that the Vikings came and saw and then left because otherwise I I made the argument that Nordic religion would have been the the most dominant religion in the world. So the Norsemen of Northern Europe saw the sun as a wheel that was responsible for the changing of the seasons. Their word for wheel was Yule, and that's where it's thought where the word Yule came from. The Norsemen would come together in midwinter to celebrate and honor Odin and Thor. They would drink sweet ale, feast, light bonfires, and tell stories. They would also go wassailing. Wassailing? Yep, go wassailing to their neighbors. What is this? I'll explain in a second. And to the trees and fields and such. So, wassailing. I imagine penguins. No. But I'll give you a hint. Okay. (laughs) Is it caroling? Yeah, essentially. I love the word wassailing. I do. I imagine penguins washing something for some reason. So, wassailing is essentially singing and celebrating, a.k.a. caroling. They called this celebration Yule. Oh, okay. Also, can I share that when you were talking about the sun being like a dial for the seasons, I think about like a little orphan Annie decoder ring, but like with the sun. I have no idea what you're talking about. You don't know what I'm talking about? You don't know what I'm talking about? The decoder rings that like as you turn them. Yeah, I know decoder rings. I don't know what orphan Annie has anything to do with it. Uh, Isn't that the character from... Or not the character, but the story from A Christmas Story. A Christmas Story is the one with the I'll shoot your eye out. 
I know that, but he gets a decoder ring from Little Orphan Annie or some shit like that. I can't think of, I can't think of it because I haven't seen it yet this year. But this is a thing and I'm not crazy. I believe you. I haven't seen it as often as you have possibly. So, <laughs> Okay, carry on. So, fun fact. Odin bears the name Yothair, which is Old Norse for Yule Father and Yulnir, or the Yule One. You know, you say that so beautifully that it actually makes me wonder if you've been a Viking in a past life. I love the pronunciation of Norse wording, and I'm probably butchering it, to be honest, so... But it feels good saying it. It does. It's a language that I love, how it rolls off my tongue. And Nick actually pointed out I should like look into learning some Swedish just because I literally love how it feels in my mouth. That's so weird to say, but... I love how you feel in my mouth. That's what she said. Um, but no, seriously, like I'm, I'm totally not being an asshole. Like you said that very beautifully. And even if you said it wrong, the way that it sounded, sounded really great. And I really appreciate that. So now I'm thinking that maybe you were Lagatha in a previous lifetime. Oh my God. That is the highest compliment anybody has ever given me. I'm totally dead fucking serious about it. That might've just made my, the rest of my year. (laughs) Well, it's, I'm so glad. (laughs) So... There are winter celebrations in, or there were winter celebrations in Egyptian, Greek, and Celtic history as well. Speaking of the Celts. Speaking of. They considered bows made of evergreen as sacred as they were seen as having a type of immortality due to not dying like other foliage or trees during the winter months. (gasps) Oh my god, that's fascinating. And that so makes sense now why we would use pine or evergreen. Oh my god. Like obviously, yes, the logical scientific answer is it doesn't die in the winter. It's the only plant life that is naturally available. Like I get it, but I didn't realize the true symbolism behind it. So that's really amazing. Yeah. And I honestly love that type of symbolism. Even though I'm not necessarily a spiritual person, I love that type of symbolism assigned to things like that. I agree completely. The Druids, who were Celtic priests, would cut the mistletoe that grew on oak trees and bless it as oaks were seen as sacred and the fruit of the mistletoe was seen as a symbol of life in those dark and cold months. Can you eat the fruit of a mistletoe? I don't know. I, you know, now that I think about it, I don't know if I've ever seen real mistletoe or like, or that I knew that that's what that was. Are you familiar with the Yulog? I feel like I recognize that terminology, but I don't, I can't place what that is. So have you seen those cakes that look essentially like giant Swiss cake rolls? Oh, yes, 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 yes. So that is a edible version of the Yule Log. Okay. But essentially, the Yule Log was literally a log that we somehow morphed into a dessert. But I mean, cheers to people who create desserts. The Yule Log tradition seemed to have begun with the Norse Yule celebration. They would carve runes on oak to wish for protection of the gods and save a piece of the log for the next year's fire. However, the Druids seemed to expound upon the practice a bit more. The Celts thought the sun stood still for 12 days in the middle of winter, and because of this, they lit a log to conquer the darkness, banish evil, and bring luck for the next year. Please note, stood still for 12 days. Yeah, I really think I, for a minute I I ignorantly like placed myself 
here where we live. And I was like, no, there's, I mean, dark days, yes, but there's no, we have sunlight at some point. And then I really thought about it in my not self-absorbed perspective. And I was like, no, there are really parts of the world where there's no sun for extended periods of time. You also didn't catch my hint on that. So I'm going to clarify the it for you. The 12 days of Christmas. Yep. Allie, I was just really thinking about it differently. Or maybe it just clicked after I said it out loud. Who knows? The logs were traditionally from ashwood and couldn't come from foreign lands or be paid for. They weren't small either, as they were expected to burn and smolder for 12 days before being extinguished by the family. The bits of log that were left over were then preserved to ignite the new Yule log the next year, thus completing the cycle. That's really interesting. And also, like, where do you keep wood bits for 365 days and not use them? I'm guessing that they would keep the pieces, like, on their mantle place or somewhere or some place of high honor because they believed that those pieces would help ward off evil spirits and brought good luck to their home. Well, that certainly does add a different perspective to it because here I'm just thinking about like, here, honey, place these wood chips in the pantry until next year. Like that just seems strange. I also love the fact that it was a new cycle that was started. Yeah, that is really beautiful. And the concept of using the pieces. Yeah. Again, my thing was just storage, but I I really do appreciate that and think that that's really beautiful. So that kind of covers the uh, Northern European aspect of things. Okay. So the other area that Yule has come from were, were, was, was the ancient Romans. Oh. The ancient Romans held a festival to celebrate the rebirth of the year as well. It was called Saturnalia. Saturnalia. Yep. That's a fantastic... Is that one word? Mm-hmm. So it's Saturn Alia. I love it. But one word. Yep. I'm here for it. I love it. My mouth enjoyed saying it. We're weird. We are. I love us. I love us so much. This ran for seven days beginning the 17th of December and was basically upside down world. Oh. Mm-hmm. Like Stranger Things? Kind of. Were there Demogorgon? Who knows? Maybe really men dressed as women and masters as servants oh my god so it really was like opposite days Mm -hmm. opposite week what the fuck what was the what was the purpose of this can you tell me i can't i wasn't able to find more information on that so i'm sorry no not sorry i just that's fascinating and I mean, I guess any any historians or anybody who has any knowledge on this, that like I would be so interested to understand just what the purpose was. Agreed. If not just for perhaps maybe like a sense of humility and just teaching people, not teaching, but maybe giving a different perspective to remind people of like, although this is your current status... It's okay to understand what other people are going through also. I'm not going to make any assumptions, but we can pretend. I just, I'm just curious. And yes. Agreed. Saturnalia. They also decorated their houses with greenery, lit candles, and close friends would exchange gifts. Can I just say, though, that I think that lit candles and greenery at this time in the world just sounds, just dangerous a little bit 
if one thing caught on fire, everything was gone. I don't really know what their structures were made out of. So maybe? Uh, the materials they had available, which was probably wood. I'm going to trust them to know what they're doing. <laughs> you know, the people who had like hearths in their house and shit. They could handle a few candles. There was also a single day festival called Juvenalia or Juvenalia. I'm not sure which one is the correct pronunciation, but yes, I'm thinking it is where juvenile comes from. Okay. Which commemorated a feast for the children of Rome. It was the birth of Mirthra, also known as the god of the unconquerable sun. S-O-N or S-U-N? S-U-N. Okay. It was believed that Mirthra was born of a rock, and therefore the day was extremely sacred for the Romans. That day was December 25th. What is December 25th? Oh, that's Christmas! Jesus Christ. <laughs> I don't know what happened there. I... Mm-hmm. Yay! You got it! <laughs> I'm really lucky I'm pretty. You're beautiful. <laughs> Here's where the uh, Christianity comes in. Okay, I'm let's 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 get into that. When Emperor Constantine converted to Christianity, he continued the celebration of worshiping Mirthra and the Juvenalia festival, and Christian leaders decided to turn this time into a Christ Mass celebration. So is that why is that why Christmas in the sense of the way that like we look at Christmas is about like Christmas presents and kids and is that really where that those two concepts come together? Yeah, from my understanding, they basically merged this thing that they wanted to create it around Christ. Yeah. With the feast to easier assimilate people. Sure. So nobody like really was questioning why we're doing this. It was an existing tradition. They just changed the story of it. Yeah, exactly. They started okay. like adopting and changing the elements. Pope Julius I chose December 25th as the day of Christ's birth. You say that as though it might not be. The Bible makes no note of Christmas as of any importance. <laughs> Jesus was most likely born in the spring. Thank you for that segue. You're welcome. And I feel like I've heard that before, so I knew that that was coming at some point. I actually have heard... I want to say theories, but I'm actually pretty positive that the shift came from my grandma, who is very Christian, that Jesus's birthday is actually closer to like Easter in general. Like it's I think she said that it's at some point in March or April. One of the main arguments against Jesus being born in winter months is the fact that the shepherds wouldn't have been tending their flock in the middle of winter. The flock wouldn't have been like out and about. What what flock? What what are we talking about? Shepherds and sheep. I know what a fucking shepherd is. Thank you. I don't know the relevance. Do you not know? Like, I know nothing. I want, I want no part of this. No, I know nothing. So the shepherds were tending their flocks of sheep at night, and they saw the star of, I can't remember anymore, but the star in the sky that signified Christ's birth. Oh, okay. Mm, that's going to bug me, but I'm not going to look it up. That's fine. So, Okay. I'm I'm slightly with you. And then this is how they found Mary and the manger and the baby. Yes. Okay. I'm with you. However, I question on that exact theory, given different areas of the world where perhaps there are different climates and different people, 
in the quote-unquote winter, perhaps in warmer areas, there could be sheep all year. Not where everything was supposed to have happened. Where was everything supposed to have happened? Like where the shepherds were in Bethlehem. They have they have brutal winters? I don't know if it was brutal, but... No sheep. No sheep Roman fields. I just, I think that's worth a question. I didn't realize that part of the globe would experience such cold fronts. Isn't it desert? Even desert gets really cold. I know that deserts get really cold at night. Like, that's not news to me. I'm just saying, it's not like they're in Wisconsin where there's 40 feet of snow. (laughs) Remember that one year that we had 40 fucking feet of snow and it was gone like the next week? I remember like three feet, yes. No, this was, you don't remember that? That was the year it snowed in April and then by May it was like 70. You mean 40 inches, yes. Oh, yeah, maybe that is what I mean. Moving on. So basically though to say I can't confirm or deny anything of what you said. I'm not an expert at any of this. That's just one of the theories I've seen posited. I appreciate the theories. I also have zero expertise on any of these things, as you've heard. So I'm just asking questions, and everyone is welcome to ridicule my lack of understanding of any of these things because this is not what I spend my time studying, and that is my right. (laughs) Same. So in the Middle Ages, Christmas used to be kind of like a mini Mardi Gras in a way of celebration. Believers would attend church and then go out and basically get wasted and cause havoc. Were there titties and beads? Cannot confirm. So probably. The poor would go to the rich and demand food and drink, and if they were not given it, they would basically terrorize them with mischief. Oh, that's interesting. It was seen as a time for the rich to give back to the poor. And yet here we are so many years later and that's no longer real. Mm-hmm. So moving on from Christmas itself or Huel to Santa. Santa. These sources were mainly Britannica.com and LearnedReligions.com. You found Santa stuff on a Learned Religions page? Yeah. Huh. I'm okay. going to tell you why right now. I'm very excited about it. Let's hear it. The main portion of Santa's image and a fair amount of traditions are associated with St. Nicholas, who was a 4th century Christian bishop originally from Lycia, which is modern-day Turkey. There's your Learn Religions link. Excellent. He became the patron saint of children, the poor, and prostitutes, amongst a variety of others. In one story, he saved three daughters from a life of prostitution by dropping an amount of coin for their dowries down their chimney and into their shoes. What a nice man. The Dutch are actually given credit for bringing the legend of St. Nick slash Sinterklaas to New Amsterdam, now New York, along with the traditions of leaving out shoes for him to fill with gifts and giving gifts and sweets to children on his feast day, which is December 6th. So... Shout out to my sister and my grandmother, who both share a birthday of December 6th. December 6th here, and to your point, what you're talking about is St. Nick. Like, that's a very common thing here in Wisconsin, and I know other parts for sure of the Midwest. But 
not everybody everywhere celebrates Saint Nick. Like even within our own country, like people don't celebrate Saint Nick. I don't. I never heard of it until fairly recently. Really? That's so interesting to me because Saint Nick has been something that's in my house since I think my whole life. And then it got extremely exacerbated by my sister being born on that day. I think a few of the main things, too, is St. Nick, St. Nicholas, Santa Claus, Father Christmas, and Sinterklaas Mm -hmm. all kind of melded into one character. Does anybody really differentiate St. Nick from Santa Claus? So I can attest to this. We do this. We do St. Nick. St. Nick came to our house this year. St. Nick has come to our house every year, like I said, my whole life. And although I recognize that St. Nick and Santa are the same character, and I've always really kind of understood that, the way that my brain looked at it was not that they were truly the same person, or maybe it was more in the sense of doing the same task. This is just my personal little interpretation. I kind of always looked at St. Nick as like, Santa checking on us, right? And I mean all children because I didn't realize that this wasn't a thing everywhere. So I really thought that Saint, like Santa was looking in on us to make sure that we were being good or we were on the correct list for the year or whatever. And then like Christmas actually happened a few weeks later. Like I thought it was like his final rounds before the big day. Nobody ever explained it to me that way. Like, I genuinely thought that way. And I wonder, I really wonder how Tiny thinks about it. And obviously, I can't ask her without spoiling the things. Like, I'm not sure how I would go about that. But as a child, that's for sure how I thought about it. And one of the things that I discovered was that, so St. Nick and Santa Claus are two separate people, kind of of the same image. Mm -hmm. So Santa Claus was kind of born out of, at one point, Christmas was not celebrated. It was shunned. Okay. um, For like its brevity and for indulgence. The Christian religion, I can't think of who was the leader, quote unquote, at the time. But it was decided that there needed to be a gap filled because originally St. Nick was giving gifts to little kids and providing this like Mm -hmm. goodwill. Yeah. So that got passed to baby Jesus, but baby Jesus is a baby and like can't haul a fuck ton of presents around. And also can't drive a sleigh. He can't handle reindeer. He can't, he's a baby. All of that hadn't even come into play yet. What the fuck? We'll get there. So essentially, they created a sidekick for baby Jesus. And I didn't dig into as much for what it's like in other countries, but I know that in like some areas, Krampus is the sidekick, quote sure. unquote. Um, and he actually like is bad cop. Baby Jesus and bad cop. So they created a character to go along with baby jesus i really want the episode to be named baby jesus and bad cop now it just creates such a good image 
So Santa Claus also seems to be strongly influenced by early Norse religion. Odin was depicted as leading a hunting party through the skies, the wild hunt, mm-hmm. while he rode his eight-legged horse, Sleipnir. Please note, eight-legged horse, eight reindeer. Oh, look at that little clever maneuver. Also, the way that you said Sleipnir was fucking amazing for my ears, so I really appreciate you blessing me with that. I loved it. It was a true leg of the moment. So I love I love his horse's name and I've been pronouncing it wrong like in my mind for forever. So I looked up the pronunciation of it because I was like, I'm probably saying this wrong. And I was. And in fact. Yeah, I was saying Slepnir and it's Slepnir. Ooh. Odin was also depicted often as an old traveler with a long white beard, a cloak, and a hat. Santa was originally described as a tall and gaunt old man with a white beard wearing a fur coat and a wide-brimmed hat. Uh, that's interesting. So many of those adjectives are not Santa-ish. Did they change it because he sounds scary as fuck? Nope. We'll get there. Okay. During winter, children would fill their boots with carrots or straw for Sleipnir and place them by the fireplace. As a reward, Odin would leave gifts in their boots. I just imagine being the mom who, like, pulled carrots out of my 12-year-old boy's nasty little farm boots, and I'm just, I'm not interested in it. I'm glad we've moved away from that tradition. I don't know. I love the idea of them feeding this massive flying through the air eight-legged horse carrots by the fireplace in their boots. I'm not I'm not downing the generosity. I just you know at that point that carrot must be burned. Yeah. <laughs> to answer your previous question, the current image of Santa as a portly jolly fellow is due to cartoonist Thomas Nast's depiction of him based on the description in the poem A Visit from St. Nicholas aka Twas the Night Before Christmas by Clement Clark Moore. We read that book every single Christmas Eve. Every single year. It's our tradition. My mom reads it and my mom does such an amazing job of it and forever that will be a Christmas tradition for us. I actually just bought a version of it to read to Moose going forward. Oh, I love that. We literally only read it one night a year. Yeah. So yeah, so that answers your question. So the reason that we see Santa to a degree as he is now is because Thomas Nast drew him from the description that came from the poem by Clement Clark Moore. Mm -hmm. That's fascinating. This began in 1863. The image was then further perpetuated and defined by Coca-Cola using Santa for advertising and their illustrator, Hedan Sunbloom, gave us the round, white-bearded gentleman in a red suit and cap with white fur trim and a black belt and shoes. Can I, can I, there's really not a good time to ask this question, but this feels like it, especially because this has been so trending lately. Why couldn't Santa be any color other than white? Like, black Santa is trending right now. I forget who, if it was a news anchor, but but somebody of extreme exposure took the position that Santa could not ever be a black man or any color other than a white man. 
I guess I'm just curious, like, why? Well, I mean, the roots came from... Nordic culture. Yeah, Nordic people weren't necessarily all Caucasian, but aside from that, that's not where... That's not exactly where I was going with it. No, I know. I know. That was just the thought that I had, and I wasn't sure where else to put it, and I just wanted to say it out loud and just think about it for a second, but please carry on, because I'm not trying to make this a race thing. It just... it. Again, recent, relevant, and I had a question on it. Yeah. I mean, the gentleman who wrote the poem and then the guy that drew the image created the image. There's no Santa was born here. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. So I'm not saying he can't be. I'm just trying to give perspective as to like the origins, I guess. No, and I really appreciate that. And I, I wasn't asking in an argumentative way. I was more asking in the sense of like, if Santa's black to you and your family, he's black to you and your family. If he's not, he's not. Like I, I wasn't, it wasn't something that I was taking personally, but I do think that there's that flip side, that double-edged sort of people who do take it personally of saying like, no, Santa must be white. Like, I don't think it makes a difference. Yeah, I totally get what you're saying. And I I think on the other side of that, too, is I don't know if his... Is his skin color, like, ever... Really depicted? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, okay, so I think about... We have the illustrated version of A Night Before Christmas, and... I mean mean the poem itself, not illustrations, because obviously those are from already founded... Depictions. I mean, I don't, you you just described Santa according to the original poem, and the only color indicator that there was was that his beard was white, but that could be any ethnicity. White hair can happen on literally any ethnicity, so I don't necessarily know that it was particularly outlined that way, which I think is why I come from the place of, like, if... Santa's black in your house like do it get it girl like love that if he's not he's not like it it's really not something that anybody really can take a position on and saying this is this way and I also think about just how stupid we're talking about not you and I but whoever made this comment and I really wish I could remember who did it because it started a huge thing like it started to be so relevant in conversation that Target, which makes me so happy, but Target has started making options of different colored Santa things. And again, it makes me so happy. But in my 28 years of life, I've never seen a black Santa until this year. Oh, I have. I haven't. So I love that you have. I do. I love that you have, but I haven't. So it just really kind of struck me. But what I was saying is people are arguing over this thing that's just so ridiculous like he's a mythical character yeah he can be exactly whatever the fuck he is like he's he just represents the magic of christmas and children and joy and all of the things like who gives a fuck what color that is like it isn't defined by a color so i think the people who get butthurt about santa having a certain ethnicity really need to take a hard long look at themselves Mm -hmm. i agree yeah he can be whatever the fuck color anybody wants him to be i mean he has elves for fuck's sake like 
really we're talking about his his heritage like no sit down Mm -hmm. so that's pretty much all i had on christmas and santa ho 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 i have some fun facts though i'm ready these were primarily from thefactfiles.org and goodhousekeeping.com. Good housekeeping. Yeah, it was pretty random, but it was a fun article. So the image of Santa Claus flying on his sleigh began in 1819 and was created by Washington Irving, the same author who dreamt up the Headless Horseman. I really was like, where have I heard that name before? And it was so on the tip of my tongue and then as soon as you said headless i was like the headless horseman yes okay awesome that's really cool the montgomery ward department store created rudolph the reindeer as a marketing gimmick to encourage children to buy their christmas coloring books of course yep also fun kind of side fact to that fact Originally, Rudolph didn't have a red nose because they didn't want a correlation between alcoholism and Rudolph. Wow. Yep. That's really just fascinating. I don't, I know that you are laughing at me right now for using fascinating again, but I'm so serious. Like, that is such a stretch, but okay. On the note of reindeer, most male reindeer lose their antlers in the beginning of December, so Santa's reindeer may be mostly female. Ooh. That's why they get shit done, too. That's that's really how Santa gets around the globe in one night. Nice. I had to. I had to. I couldn't help it. Can I tell you, though? Okay. This is my personal epiphany moment. As a fully grown adult... Like two years ago, I had this light bulb moment as I was thinking about how Santa would possibly get around the whole world in one night. I had this moment where I was like really in depth in this thought. And then I realized it's not one night. It's a full 24 hours, which is still magical. Okay, like nobody could travel the globe and reach every single child in 24 hours. But the concept of it being one night is very misleading. I'm glad that you sat down to figure that out. I did, and I needed to share it with you and our listeners so that in case anyone was really worried about the complexity, just know he's not working with a 12-hour period. He's actually got 24. Noted. You're welcome. And another thing for the reindeer, I didn't write this down, so I could be getting this wrong, but... If I remember right, Blitzen and Donner, their original names were a little bit different and they meant thunder and lightning, which once again ties back into Norse mythology and Odin and Thor. Oh, that's really cool. That gave me all the happies. On a random note, if you want to know a useful way to recycle your real Christmas tree, some zoos actually take donated Christmas trees and use them as food for the animals. I love that. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Seriously, thank you for sharing that because now every year that I get a real tree, like when we don't live in a townhouse, but every year I get a real tree, that's what I'm going to do with it because that's so cool. This one was amazing to me. In 1914, during World War I, there was a now-famous Christmas truce in the trenches between the British and the Germans. They exchanged gifts across a neutral no-man's land, played football together, and decorated their shelters. Oh, that's so beautiful. Oh, I love that story. 
I don't love that they probably went right back to war, but the interim. Oh. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen anybody ever get upset at using Xmas as opposed to Christmas? I have not, but I recognize Xmas. Like I've heard that. That's not like a foreign term. So I typically shorthand Christmas and use Xmas. Okay. Anybody that gets upset by that needs to sit down because... Baby Jesus and Bad Cop, they're going to come for you. Christianity was originally spelled X-I-A-N-I-T-Y as far back as 1100. That's super interesting. I've never heard that. X or Chi in Greek is the first letter of Christ and served as a symbolic stand-in. In 1551, the holiday was called Extemis, but eventually shortened to Xmas. In reality, Xmas is just as Christian as the longer version. So sit down. You heard it here first. Mistletoe is an ancient symbol of fertility and fertility. The Druids considered it an aphrodisiac. Hence why we kiss under it. Jingle Bells was originally a Thanksgiving song. What? I literally can't think of the lyrics for Jingle Bells to think of Christmas is even mentioned in it, to be honest. I totally can, because um, there's the dashing through the snow, one horse open sleigh, over the hills we go, laughing all the way, ha ha ha. No, I actually agree with you on that, as I just sort of did like an A to Z lyric in my mind, as I am a human jukebox. I also can't place how Jingle Bells has a Christmas theme to it other than the fact that we sing it at Christmas time. Mm -hmm. White Christmas by Bing Crosby is the best-selling Christmas song ever. It has sold more than 50 million copies around the world. I'm Dreaming of a White Christmas, that one? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. I love that song. That is my pinnacle Christmas song. Truly. I'm putting up the tree. We're doing cookies. We're doing whatever. Like... That is the kickoff Christmas song for sure. It gets me in the mood for Christmas every single year. That is actually all I had for random backs. But on that, what is your favorite Christmas song and movie? Mm, okay. So uh, my favorite Christmas song is probably, like I said, White Christmas in the sense of like that gets me in the Christmas mood. I just, I really do think about like cozy and warm and tradition and that song gives, it's just such a wholesome vibe for me, Mm -hmm. but fuck, you can't go wrong with a Jingle Bell Rock, like no matter what, I, I do, I love Jingle Bell Rock. I would have to say my favorite Christmas movie is equally as hard. I have such a love for a Christmas story because that is such a tradition in our family. There's so many good ones. Like Jingle All the Way is another one that we watch religiously every single year. Um, But I actually have to give mad props to Netflix. And they made Claws a few years ago. And that actually might be my favorite non-traditional Christmas movie, in all honesty. It's so beautiful and it's so meaningful. It offers such an explanation while still keeping the magic of Christmas. I have not seen it, so... Highly recommend. Really, seriously. And it's a cartoon, so it's really... 
it's a beautiful cartoon too. It's like very beautifully drawn, and there was a lot of names in it for being a Netflix cartoon. I can't think of the actresses right now, but oh, oh my God, Joan Cusack. Joan Cusack is the so it's basically like Romeo and Juliet meets Santa and Christmas, but a little bit different. There's not necessarily like a romance piece to it like that. There is romance to it, but not like that. But there are two different parts of this town in what is supposed to be like the North Pole area of the world. And I don't know. It's just really, really good. And I really appreciate it. So that's my, that's probably my favorite, like I said, non-traditional. What are yours? Um. Well, my favorite Christmas song isn't really, I guess it's another one that's not necessarily considered a Christmas song, but it's Baby It's Cold Outside. Ooh, yes, you can't go wrong with a baby it's cold outside. Which I know gets under a lot of people's skin because of the whole it's a date rape song and I have a lot of disagreements to that that you can at me if you want, we'll discuss it. Um you may also at me on that one because I as a feminist that I mean everybody knows my position, I also have feelings about that being a quote unquote date rape song. I also love the glee version of that song. Oh my god. Yes, I was actually waiting. I was going to I was going to interject that the Glee version is my favorite version of that song. And although I don't watch Glee, I I've watched like maybe one or two seasons of Glee, but not like consecutively. I've just watched it because it was on. That song is the song I think of when I think of Glee, and it is my favorite version of that song. And then my favorite Christmas movie is How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Ooh, the Jim Carrey version. I love both versions equally. When you say both versions, you mean the original original, right? Yes. Like, I love the cartoon and the Jim Carrey version. The original cartoon version. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. So, I do recall you telling me that the first time that we ever talked about this. And I don't know why this stands out as an alley memory because there's literally nothing of context to this story other than I remember us talking about this and you were like, no, I love the cartoon. And I was like, what in the actual fuck are you talking about? And you were like, this cartoon. And you pulled it up and I was like, oh, he's so scary. And you were like, no, I love him. And I was like, okay. And that has stuck with me forever. I don't, again, I don't know why. I love him and Max and seeing his little antennae and furl. And yes, I love the original. <laughs> but I also love that the Jim Carrey version spurred a rap from him and Buster Rhymes. So one of the best moments of my childhood, really. Like, I'm just not going to lie about it. The Jim Carrey version that would be up there for me. And my little indecisiveness self, the Grinch really does it for me. I, one of my favorite parts, actually, is I love that he says two swear words in that movie. And one of them is when he and Cindy Lou, who, who grew up to be the lead singer of... Pretty Reckless. The Pretty Reckless. And she's stunning. Holy fuck. She's also a um, Gossip Girl. Oh, I didn't know that. I never watched Gossip Girl. But they're cruising down the down the hill, bringing the presents, and he says, the powder is bitchin', and every year I lose my shit at the powder is bitchin'. I'm an adult, and that is still 
just so gratifying to me in that moment. I don't know why. I love that movie. Her name is Taylor Matner, I believe. Hey, Taylor Matner. We love you and you're beautiful. Yeah, she's amazing. Also, shout out to Jim Carrey, who we love and is beautiful. Super underrated. Also, shout out to Holly, my boss, because she has Jim Carrey moments and she's my favorite. Oh, I love that. Um, my favorite part of the Jim Carrey version is when he's debating whether or not to go to the Hubilation and he goes through like his whole thing. Actually, there's two parts. There's the one where he's ranting over his clothing and then he goes, but what would I wear? And then my other favorite part is when he's yelling into the void and the (laughs) the void yells back. You're an idiot. Yep. I do love that part. There's so many good just really fucking perfectly placed comedic moments in that movie like genuinely i do love the you're an idiot conversation i love his um scheduling conflict when he's like going through his schedule and really struggling to find time that's such a great part i love when he's to your concept of the what will i wear when he actually is like modeling his little yodeler outfit is just the just really genuinely the whole movie um is just so good and so clever and i also just think about like that movie came out when i was a child and it really genuinely was just such an impactful christmas movie and it's it in my opinion is a classic i agree have you ever seen annabelle's wish I have seen Annabelle's Wish, and I don't even know why, because I think it was like a PBS movie or some shit, but I definitely have seen it. The little cow who wants to be a reindeer. So I think that's why I actually started collecting reindeer ornaments, because mom and I watched it, and I loved how the little cow would always, well, Annabelle, would always be talking about how she wants to be a reindeer, and she'd always say it, reindeer. And I just started collecting reindeer from like then on out. That's really interesting. I I do remember that one, and I remember specific scenes, but I don't remember the whole movie. But I would love to watch that with Tiny, because I do remember that one being a good one. Um, I also, what was the other one that I really liked when I was growing up? I'm also big into National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, because Nick got me into it, and we collect the ornaments every year. Well, I collect the ornaments for him every year as a traditional gift for him. And I think the movie is fucking hilarious, so. You know, I've never actually sat down and watched it. I've never watched, to be fair, I've never watched any of the Lampoons. I have seen them. Like, they've been on. I know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. But I've never actually, like, watched a Lampoons movie to watch a Lampoons movie. Even though my humor is very, like, specific, the type of humor that I'm into, I fucking love the National Lampoons movies. And actually... One of the ornaments that we have now is them at their Christmas dinner and the battery. So they're they're sound clips from the movies and the battery Mm -hmm. in this one is dying and it literally sounds like a satanic ritual. Awesome. The The other Christmas movie that I absolutely love is Four Christmases. I fucking die over that movie every single year. I love Reese Witherspoon. You've never seen that one? 
we should totally watch it. It's really you could watch it at any point, but it's extra special at Christmas time. But I love Reese Witherspoon and I also love Vince Vaughn, but for totally different reasons. And I just think that together they make such a great I'm going to say couple, but in the sense of this movie, their characters just worked so well together because it was real traits from both of their personalities. And I'm not saying that Vince Vaughn and Reese Witherspoon should be together. I'm just saying they executed it very, very well. And it's really funny and also very wholesome. And there's just a lot of really great humor in that one, too. Nice. So uh, this is kind of a little bit different than what we typically do, but... Mm -hmm. There was just one thing that I was thinking of the whole time I was doing this Christmas research, and it was, I love Christmas. This is not me downing on Christmas Christmas at all, but one big thing that I wish we could get back to is less of a focus on presents and like the gift side of it, and more of a just enjoying being with others. And really, I'm a huge hypocrite in saying that because I love giving gifts, but... I don't know. That was just one thing that I kind of kept in the back of my head while doing all this research because finding out where it was from and the traditions of it was incredibly interesting to me and how it was originally about goodwill and not about obviously the commercialization. Obviously there were gifts given but that was kind of the background to it. You reject your own nose because it's a symbolism of commercialism. Genius! Why didn't I think of that? Cut, print, check the tape, moving on. See, the Grinch is just a fucking genius. (laughs) I completely agree with literally every single word you just said. And again, echoing exactly your position, I am so for Christmas. I love Christmas. It isn't my favorite holiday, but it doesn't need to be. Like, your favorite holiday should only be one thing. So... And I can't even say that because I have two favorite holidays, but I do love Christmas. And I completely agree with you as someone who deeply loves giving gifts. Like that's my number one spoken love language. Like that's how I tell people I love them is by by gifts. I also do wish that I wish that there were less societal expectation of it being a commercialistic thing. I really do. And the reason I say it that way is because I've heard about parents doing, and I think that you actually do this, so I love this, but the four gifts, the need, want, read, what is it? Want, need, wear, read. Yes. Thank you. Okay. So I love that philosophy. I do. I think that that's fantastic. And it's budget friendly. It it helps your kids understand balance right and then also I think about like I just think about a lot of aspects and yet at the same time I tried to do that theory last year and I felt so guilty that I actually like literally tripled my budget because I was like I didn't get anything which is my that's me that's my issue that's totally on me and I get that but it It didn't change the fact that I felt that. I felt like I was not doing my child service by only getting her four gifts, which is absolutely fucking asinine. Mm -hmm. But why is it that way? But I think I can provide some perspective to that. So we don't only just get them four gifts, but we try Mm -hmm. to keep the gifts in those categories. 
So for instance, this year, his need is probably going to be this little alphabet backpack. He's two. He doesn't need anything. So I figure something to help him learn his alphabet is a need, quote unquote. The want is my want to get him off our couch. So the trampoline. And then he's getting um, Christmas pajamas and books and like a few trinkets and a Lincoln log set. And that's it. But there's not just four gifts for him. There's some smaller things, but it's basically not making it about like all this extravagance to help teach that Christmas is about it's about more than what comes from a store. Mm-hmm. No, I agree with you completely. I do. And yet I completely fall victim of the ignorant ass who's who are like, it's about the presence. Like I do. I do. Not because I ever think it's about the presence, but I feel like I'm not celebrating Christmas correctly if I don't have a fuck ton of presents. Like, I feel that way. And I again, I recognize that that's me and that's my issue, but I don't think that I'm alone in saying that. I think that that's actually a very common feeling. And that is part of what perpetuates the cycle of Christmas being one of retails and commercialistic businesses q4 being so successful like really i think about that yeah i agree because like you i love giving gifts and i don't know i don't really know what's changed i think one of the things that makes me sad is what about the people that can't afford to give something like not necessarily extravagant but just something and then they're pelted with these commercials saying find the perfect gift for so-and-so and what if what if what they can do is make something and that's from the heart and that's what should be important. And I think I think that's where it's coming from. Not even necessarily about the amount, but that it's from the heart. And it's not just like, it's not just to get gifts to like fill a void. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think that that's really interesting that that's where you brought that because and completely correct and completely justified. I think that that's just a com- just a different thought than where I was even going before. So, yes, let's talk about that. Let's expand on that. I agree with you on so many different levels and that brings up just a bunch of other things. So, my first thought being, yes, what about people who are struggling? I mean, it's Christmas is expensive. The winter winter is expensive. Your heating bill goes up, right? Like you have to take different maintenance on your vehicle. You have like accidents are more common. Like there's just so many aspects about winter that are more expensive. And then also we have this holiday that is very traditionally aligned with spending money. That's point one. And I agree with you. Point two, what if you're not in a position to spend money, right? And the gifts are not supposed to be of an intention of monetary value. That's not, that's not, they can be. Your gifts can be of a monetary value, but that's not where they're supposed to come from. Mm -hmm. Which then leads me to point three of the way that I look at gifts, both in giving and receiving. I am so very serious and i know that you are too so this we will be on the same page of this but i'm i'm going to say it for our listeners i am so very sincere 
about saying that giving gifts is how I show someone that I love them, that it doesn't matter what the price tag is. That's not what I look at. I look at what this gift will mean to you. What how what will this do for you? Not even in the sense of practicality, but okay, like your gloves are a really good example. Did I know that you would love them because they're comfortable? Yes. They're going to be easy, whatever, whatever. But I knew that that would mean so much to you to be able to be outside with moose and not have your fingers fall off because I've literally seen your fingers turn dark purple in two minutes. Mm -hmm. I knew that would mean something to you. So what they cost did not matter. But they could have been a $5 gift and I still would say the cost wouldn't have mattered. It's what it meant to you. And I I just, we've gotten so far away from that as a society in gift giving as a whole, I think. And then on the flip side of that, I think about receiving a gift. And I think about receiving a gift of monetary value that's like very grand, right? Like a really expensive gift. But it doesn't mean anything to me. A good example would be like Packer tickets. If someone got me Packer tickets for Christmas... I would be like actually a little bit offended. I'm not saying I would be mad about it, but I would honestly be of the position of like, do you even know me? It's kind of a cool thanks. Yeah, like this is so irrelevant to me. And again, it's not that I don't appreciate the gesture. So I was talking about this today with Josh from Dads on Dayquil, and he said it so perfectly. So I just, I honestly just want to just kind of reiterate what he said. He took the position of this exact thing. We we were having literally this exact conversation about gift giving. And he had said, I recognize that this gift, this expensive gift, means something to you because the money means something to you. Being able to spend money that way means something to you. So I recognize the value of that for you, but it's my gift and I don't give a fuck about that. That doesn't mean anything to me. You could have you could have made me an ornament from a box of 50 that you spent $7 on and that would have meant more to me. Mm-hmm. And I deeply align with that. I do. And I think that that's kind of what I'm getting at of as a society, I feel like we have all just moved so far away from that, especially at Christmas time. Maybe not at all times of the year, but definitely Christmas. I'm guilty of it. I, I feel so obligated to just have 800 gifts under the tree that I I just, I do. I feel that way. I That's what it is. I feel obligated to do that. And I shouldn't because I have excellent gifts that I know will make Tiny very happy. And I could do that with five presents. And I think that doing the research on this and seeing that Yule was originally a celebration and like storytelling and being together and drinking, having fun, and the gifts either in the um, Northern European celebrations or the roman celebrations or whatever were really a secondary kind of thing was just really kind of eye-opening to a degree yeah and i think also just really like something that's so common this time of year is truly talking about the meaning of christmas the meaning of christmas has not changed for me 
but the information that you shared gave it such a relevance and sort of brought it to a much more tangible place instead of this like very abstract concept of what is the meaning of Christmas? Just like what is the meaning of life? Like it's just so abstract, but like really the meaning of this holiday started here from this very realistic, very traditional, very meaningful place. And I think that I think that actually having those words said out loud of this, this, what we're talking about is the intention of Christmas and it always has been. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that was just something I wanted to kind of get in here. Like I didn't want to bring a downer on Christmas at all. It's just, I felt like it needed to be said because I think it's important. I don't think it's a downer. I don't think it's a downer at all. I, I appreciate the realism of it to be perfectly honest. I still think there's so much magic about Christmas time and as a, especially as a parent, I just seeing their little faces when they see Christmas lights and just the fact that Christmas lights are magical and they just, it's so, I know that we did our episode on depression, which is different and I'm leading up to a comment that is not dismissive of anybody who has a difficult time during the holidays, but truly there are so many things that are very custom to the way that we celebrate Christmas now that really are just meant to make you smile and to make you happy. Christmas lights serve zero purpose other than making people happy. Yeah. So I think about that a lot too and I don't think that you brought it down. I I, I really do appreciate the realism because I go back to that thought of Christmas lights just by themselves, that one function of Christmas, are so magical. It's okay to have a little side of realism with that. On that little note, Moose's favorite book right now is probably Little Blue Truck's Christmas. And at the end of the book, you flip it open and there's a Christmas tree in back and it's actually lit. And the, the Christmas lights like bounce back all over it. So he loves to just close and open it over and over to see the lights blink back and forth. It's so cute. I love that. Except uh, I and I recognize that. Except when I was there the other day, he did not want to read it with me. So I read it by myself and it was a really good book. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I don't know why he loves reading with me. Like he's never turned me down before. And he sat with me for one second and I opened the book and then he was like, my mama. And I was like, nope, it's it's time to read, baby. And he was like, nope. And he just took off. That's pretty much like my life every day trying to control him. <laughs> He's never bailed on me before. And then I was like, okay, that might not be true. I think I got through two pages. Be I think I got to the page with the pig because he said oink. And I remember being like, oh, yeah, he totally knows this book that well. And then he was gone. I did not expect our Christmas tree cutting down experience to consist of Nick cutting the Christmas tree down while I chased Moose through the rows of Christmas trees trying to stop him from bolting himself into traffic for unknown reasons. So I don't know what that kid does ever or why, but he's still amazing. He's 
He is so perfect. I am so in love with him. So that is all I had. What did you learn today? I really learned um, that you have been Lagatha in a previous life and also that I, I go back to genuinely how much I appreciate the perspective of realism in the concept of Christmas. Like, not even in a religious sense, that is not what I'm talking about, but just truly the concept of tradition that this was born from, I personally think is really beautiful. Yeah, I agree. What did you learn here today? I loved learning the Roman side of it. I didn't know any of that. I hadn't heard of Saturnalia or Juvenalia or any of that prior, so... Is it sad that now I want a cat named Saturnalia? Or I want an Anne. I want something. I love that. I love that word. No, I think it's beautiful. I really do. I want to name something that. I Not a child. I'm not a lunatic. But something I will have that is a living creature will have the name Saturnalia in it. I would say I'd own a horse and name it Sleipner someday, but that's not going to happen, so... I mean, you have the yard for it. I would love to own a horse. Yeah, I know. I don't know anything about owning horses. I would love for you to own a horse so that... I'm not going to do that disservice to a horse. <laughs> I'm not going to do that, actually. Okay, well, we'll visit a horse and name it... Slipner. Thank you, Legatha. And then um, also, we'll find something else... I'm still not sure, but we're going to find something else that I love, and we're going to name it Saturnalia, and they're going to be the best of friends. I'm so here for it. On a random fun fact to you in general, did you know that most of the days of the week are named after Norse gods? No. Say more things. I don't remember Mondays, but Tuesday is Tyr. Tuesday. Okay. Wednesday is Odin, so it was Od- it was originally Woden. So, Wednesday got turned into Wednesday. Okay. And then Thursday is Thor, Thursday. <gasps> that one, that one, obviously, duh. As soon as you said Thor, I was like, oh, fuck, duh. Friday is tur- is tied into, like, Frigga or Freya or one of the... Fr- I, would, I would guess Freya. She was such a big deal in their religion. I'm not sure which. And then um, Saturday is Saturn. Mm-hmm. Sunday, I don't remember. That is fascinating, and I did not know that, and I genuinely appreciate you sharing that with me because I think that's really cool. Yeah, I just love stuff like that. Yeah. So. So. I'm never going to know what we do after this. I know. We're really, you know, welcome to episode 19, and we still don't know how to leave this shit. Okay, but can we just acknowledge, though, that this is episode 19? That's crazy. I know. Also, actually, though, that makes episode 20 that much cooler because that's going to be our first Q&A episode. Yep, and it's going to be the final episode of the year. It is. So for those of you who haven't seen or heard, we are doing a Q&A for our very last episode of the year. So it is not going to be our normal Allie and Celeste content. You get us. I mean, we're always unfiltered. Let's be real. But we are taking down the structure of taboos for this one episode, one time only. 
And that's a lie, but you know, I'm just saying that right now. Um, and we're doing this just question and answer. You know, that's what Q&A stands for. I felt like I needed to explain that, apparently. And, and we really need your help, you guys. We really, this is our call to action this week. We really need you guys to dig deep in your hearts and brains and souls and think about the questions that you would like to ask us personally, even if they aren't necessarily specifically taboos questions. So if it's questions about our friendship or us as human beings or moms or whatever, right? Um, Allie and I both have proven over 20 episodes that we are very open and we're really not afraid to shy away from questions. So please don't feel like you have to send us like polite cutesy questions, even though I love polite cutesy questions. Like don't be afraid to ask us some real shit. We're here for it. Agreed. You can email us at taboospodcast at gmail.com or you can hit us up on our socials for that, which are taboos the pod on Instagram and Twitter and just taboos. We have a group now on Facebook. We do. And I figured out how to link it to our business page. So we do, in fact, have two pages on Facebook. Don't ask me how they work, but they are linked and that's what's important. I did the things. I really just want to just really say to every single person once more who has been with us on this podcast family, actual family, friends, strangers at the grocery store, it does not matter. I am so grateful for every single one of you who are hearing me in your earbuds right now. I am grateful for you. As am I. We hope that you guys have an amazing holiday, no matter what way you celebrate that. We hope it's full of love and beauty and wonderfulness. And I hope, here's what I want to offer this year. I hope that, like you said, no matter how you celebrate, no matter what is going on in your world and your family and your structure, it does not matter. Whatever. I hope this is the best Christmas ever for literally every single person because this year was so fucked up and everyone deserves a great Christmas this year except for racists and pedophiles but other than that everyone deserves a beautiful Christmas this year and I genuinely hope that for you and your families. Happy holidays guys and on that note do you be taboos. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.